Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet and do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Charbroil offer valid through 612, Craftsman offer valid through 619, U.S. only. Roto-Grinders presents the Daily Fantasy Fix Podcast. Dan Bach talks to the biggest personalities in DFS, delivers commentary on the industry's most important topics, and gives you the advice you need to help build winning lineups. Both the salary and the matchup are just too good. If you are not playing him in your head-to-head games, you are just going to lose. You didn't really think we were going to get rid of that, did you? Here's your host, the one and only, Dan Bach. All right, really excited for our guest today. Uh, joining us from ESPN Chalk, he is uh, David Purdom. He gover- covers the gambling beat over at uh, ESPN, and uh, always great talking with him. David, welcome to the podcast, and what a, what a crazy month we've had here. Uh, let's kind of catch everybody up. Uh, in terms of what exactly happened with the SCOTUS case regarding New Jersey because uh, the way that sports gaming and gambling looks in this country could be changing pretty quick. So catch us up on that situation. Yeah, absolutely, and thanks for having me. And, um, we had a oral argument in the Supreme Court um, last week, last Monday, December 4th. It was New Jersey who was attempting to upend the federal ban on legal sports betting in the U.S. Uh, the sports leagues who are trying to hold maintain the status quo for a little bit at least. Um, there was lots of discussion back and forth. Um, when you left the courtroom, the bulk of the people that I spoke to believe that New Jersey prevailed, uh, that they are a step closer to expanding legalized sports betting in the U.S. So there's a lot of different uh, topics, a lot of different ways that this could play out. Uh, but definitely it seems like the momentum is pushing us towards expanded legalized sports betting. What was the uh, the biggest surprise in the actual SCOTUS um, hearings itself? Because, you know, we, we pretty much can read the briefs ahead of time. We know mm-hmm. what each side is going to argue. But the one thing we don't know is what the justices' thought processes are on it. And we finally kind of get an inkling into that. Uh, were there any moments that were eye-opening um, in the was? You know, was do you think this is something that because a lot of times we see in uh, in Supreme Court cases, it's really divided politically. You know, you've got the conservative mm-hmm. side of the court, you've got the more liberal side of the court, and then sometimes it comes down to a couple of swing votes. Do you think that's this? Do you think that applies in this case? And and just curious about you know if there were moments in that courtroom that you know caught the attention of of people who were there. It, it, I think it does. Um, there are. Five of the nine Supreme Court justices were nominated by Republican presidents for remaining or, or, or nominated by uh, Democrats. Um, so Republicans, they're big on states' rights, anti-federalism. So that seemed to lean towards New Jersey's case, saying that, hey, we let the states decide whether we want to offer sports betting or not. The Democrats, there was three women uh, on there, and they seemed to be anti-this. They just kind of 
ruffled their nose and thought this was what they call preemption, that the government is allowed to say, uh, regulate interstate commerce, um, and they can take, they, they can, you know, uh, oversee the, uh, the state's power. So there was that divide. As far as a surprise, one of the biggest surprises to me is that there was no mention of the Oakland Raiders moving to Las Vegas or the NHL putting a franchise in there. Uh, I thought that was kind of weird. The, the environment has changed since this case started. And for those who don't know, New Jersey first tried to do this, started this suit back in 2012. So this has been five years of trying to get this done. They finally get it to the Supreme Court. During those five years, like I said, we've seen the Raiders, the NFL, agree to put a franchise in Las Vegas. Seen the Vegas Knights already there. We've seen the rise of Daily Fantasy and the league's embracement of there. It seems like the environment has changed a little bit, and that wasn't even addressed. It didn't seem to even matter to uh, anybody in the court, uh, anybody in the, on the justice, on the judges. And I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned that you know this has been happening since 2012, and and my mentality, mm-hmm. and we've spoken about this via social media and whatnot, is I just mm-hmm. didn't see them picking up this case just to kind of reject it for seemingly like the fourth or fifth time. Uh, so I feel like pretty confident that uh, again that that this is going to kind of change things. But uh, I think we're in a weird spot here, though, because. Clearly, if they, you know, basically deem PASPA unconstitutional, and that's not guarantee that that's even the, the process that they're going to go, but let's say they did that, that would really open up the floodgates for states to basically regulate sports betting themselves uh, mm-hmm. very quickly, right? Like, as soon as it's pretty much passed down. Like, is, is that is that the, the thought absolutely. process there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Monmouth Park up in New Jersey says they can be ready within weeks after uh, any kind of favorable ruling to go forward. Um, there are two, basically, outcomes for New Jersey here. That, that, that The first one, like you said, they could completely strike down this federal ban, and that would allow states to regulate, offer sports betting like they want to. The other one is a little more tricky, a little more nuanced. It says that New Jersey's recent law it passed that basically decriminalized sports betting uh, took the state's hands off of it, said it was going to be allowed at the horse tracks and casinos. They could say, okay, this law complies with PASPA. This complies with the federal ban. If you want to decriminalize sports betting and heck, take a hands-off approach to it, uh, you can do that. Now, I am against that one. I think if this is, this is a big, big deal, trying to do something like this, and it's not going to be simple, trying to legalize sports betting. So... I don't think we should go about it by kind of, you know, a half-hearted approach. We're pretending like we're not regulating. We're pretending like the state's not involved. I don't think anybody wants to see that. So if I had the choice to do it in those two, I would completely strike down PASPA and let the states regulate it appropriately like they want to. Don't let them be scared or worried that, oh, if we get too much involved in this, uh, we're going to get in trouble with, with past. I, I think that's foolish. But but you have talked about this plenty, and I agree with it, is that's not necessarily what the leagues, or at least the NBA, want to see. And uh, where are they in this push to try and get a federal framework done? Because, you know, there's... Always a, a good back and forth between, you know, Gauker at Legal Sports Report and then you and I mm-hmm. kind of on the federal side of things. And he doesn't feel like it's very realistic for it to happen in the short term. 
Um, but you've had conversations and you've written pieces about the NBA um, and, and their desire to make this happen. Where are they on the lobbying front there? And is there any chance that this could, a federal framework could be in place you know, sooner than we expect and you know, basically kind of take the regulation side of sports betting out of the hands of the state and keep it um, in one centralized spot with the government? What's your kind of thoughts on, on that? Uh, the NBA is trying. Um, I don't think they have any quote-unquote skin in the game here in terms of lobbying funds, uh, but I was on a panel with, with Dan Splane, who is their point person. He's a vice president uh, in the NBA, and he's their point person on gambling. They are working on a bill. They have started legislation, kind of drafting it around. They've been working on it for several some time, um, and they have been talking to people in D.C. He said, no, we have not you know, officially started lobbying, quote-unquote, but they're planning to. And from my understanding, some of the other leagues are getting ready to at least discuss what's going on here and see what happens in these next couple of months before we get a ruling. Because we're not supposed to get a ruling from the Supreme Court until probably the spring, maybe even later into the summer. So, you know, we got some time here. Whether the leagues can have that much influence and get some sort of federal uh, legislation introduced and passed, a tough question. I mean, it's really hard in this uh, political environment we have right now to, to see, okay, we got health care, we got uh, tax reform, we got immigration issues, uh, but we're going to get sports betting done. That seems a little weird. Who knows, though? You know, if this law is struck down and the leagues aren't exactly happy with how it comes out, um, I do believe they have some influence at the federal level and may be able to push something through. But what kind of mess do we get into if you if we have a hodgepodge of, of laws? You know, I know that maybe the NBA is being a little bit over dramatic in terms of yeah. their feeling about, oh, it's you know, it's impossible, you can't have this. But you could also have a situation where we we do have different le- regulatory framework in each state, different taxes and and let's face it, like you could theoretically have it set up where if one state is taking, um, you know, so much off of, off of every bet that you could have different lines in different states just based on you know the you know the minus one ten versus uh, mm-hmm. you know minus one twenty in, in a different spot versus the 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 you know the the getting the other side of that of that action. I mean, I don't think that's an impossibility to see happen if we have it on a state by state basis, which is interesting because you know. I mean, normally you don't, you know, you shop around for lines between different sports books. If you're in Vegas, it's not a big deal. If you're online, it's not a big deal. But we could have it where what you're getting in New York could be different than what you're getting in New Jersey, which I think is kind of fascinating. It is fascinating. I think if you were a, you know, a high level sports betting syndicate, yeah. well, you'd have a guy in New York ready to pounce on if a line was off there. And you'd have a, a guy in Mississippi, and if uh, they were lopsided on the Mississippi Rebels and they had a lot of money, uh, the line had moved there, you, you could have a guy there. So it would be very interesting. I, I agree with you that I think it is a little uh, overcautious or overly dramatic in terms of the fear of this hodgepodge of state-by-state regulations. Uh, Daily Fantasy is a perfect example. We've had that. You know, I think it's they correct me if I'm wrong here, I think is it Massachusetts says you got to be 21, but Virginia, you got to be 18, or one of those around there. You know, so those are complications. Um, but, you know, people figure out how to do it. Uh, there's different regulations for different things in a lot of states. 
and people have to figure out how to do it. I think the push for federal uh, framework, I believe the, the leagues believe that's the best way they could, uh, you know, negotiate some sort of cut, some sort of uh, financial benefit uh, from this. I think they're going to state by state and trying to do that. I think they think that's a much bigger lift and uh, the likelihood of the state saying, yeah, sure, we'll give you some more money after we already bought you a, a brand new stadium or whatever is a little less likely. Uh, okay, I want to talk about what the future is going to look like, though, because, you know, I think the one thing that is fascinating about this is the innovation that could be created on the sports gaming front from what we currently have. I mean, uh, you know, you're, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but I think the majority of people are, are betting the point spreads, they're betting the over-unders, uh, but we've seen, you know, Daily Fantasy has created uh, a new type of market for um, sports gaming in the sense of like a lot of people like to pay a little bit amount of money, $5, $10, $20 maybe even, and winning a million dollars on a given day. And in the world sure. of sports betting today, we don't really have anything along those lines. I mean, to win a million dollars in a parlay, A, they would never pay that much out, and B, you'd have to hit about 35 games. Good luck. So right. like, <laughs> what do you, do you expect there to be you know, major innovations in the whole sports gambling world, because I think we've already seen a blueprint for what maybe your average person likes to look for. Yeah. Maybe I want to bet $5 on the game I'm watching on TV, but ultimately I think you get bored, you know, winning four fifty back. So I'm kind of curious your thoughts. I think we might see some large scale um, survivor type pools and handicapping contests uh, become more prevalent, especially early on as they're trying to figure out maybe those feel a little more safer uh, to run for the states to begin with. I, I don't know if you mm -hmm. saw, we, we had a big survivor pool up in New York just this week. It popped by the feds, $2.5 million in prize money, 22,000 entries. So if we are able to maybe bring those about, we also have the super contest in Las Vegas yeah. that you probably heard about the big NFL handicapping contest. I've always thought, well, gosh, you know, if, if that would, could expand nationally, and uh, that's a $1,500 buy-in, but if you made it $10 buy-in and you got as many uh, entries, you know, thousands and thousands of entries, there you go. There's your, there's your big pool. And maybe it's, um, maybe it's a survivor-type contest, or maybe it's a handicapping contest where you're seeing how many games you can pick correctly uh, throughout the year and then playing against a big field. So I think those are two of the things. The other thing people all uh, talk about often is the rise of in-game play betting, yeah. you know, uh, betting during the game. Will LeBron make this free throw? Will LeBron miss this free throw? Who will commit the next foul and so forth? That, that kind of stuff is very popular in the U.K. Uh, most people think we will probably follow that kind of evolution following what the U.K. has done. Um, the problem with those kind of things is where the spot fixing and the match fixing comes in play a lot in soccer especially. Um, you'll see all kinds of weird bets. Um, who will have the first throw in or who will first uh, get the first yellow card. And that, that becomes an issue because it's easy to compromise that kind of stuff. And then they've seen it in, in, in Europe and in other markets uh, where those type of things have been targeted by nefarious people uh, in terms of fixing. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the evolution gravitates. I do think that point spread betting, 
over-under betting. That's not going away. No. That's still going to be the most prominent form of it. But there will be some new interesting uh, things. Yeah, and I hope we, you know, I just uh, I just think we're just so ripe for new innovation on that front. And, and I hope that, you know, the, the, the big worry that, that I have as well is, you know, whether the states do it, whether it's a federal framework, you know, can we do these from our smartphones? Do we need to walk into a dog track or a horse track or a casino to make a wager? Um, do you have a Do you have a feeling about where that direction is going? Because I think it's an important one, and you know we know that lawmakers sometimes are slow to you know evolve to the times. But I mean, let's face it: if you're going to do it, if you're going to regulate sports betting, you should do it right and realize that. Everything is happening on phones and, and, and mobile, and it's not brick-and-mortar anymore. Do you suspect, though, that the brick-and-mortar entities are going to lobby to make it exclusively through them? What's your, kind of thought, what's your thoughts on that? No, I, I do not think that the uh, casinos, uh, other than maybe Sheldon Adelson, who's obviously a big force, but uh, most of them see agree with you that th- this is headed online ultimately. Do we wait and we kind of you know, tippy-toe toward it, or do we just go ahead and do it? There's been a lot of the um, what they're calling placeholder bills that some of the states have passed. These bills will give them uh, the ability to legalize sports betting if the federal ban is lifted. Um, some of those include online uh, mentions. Some of them don't. But the, the general theory um, or the belief among stakeholders is that ultimately it's getting online. How fast we want to get there, that's um, another subject, but... Uh, you're right. It, it needs to get there. It, it, it seems silly to start anywhere else. Uh, tracking this online, uh, again, I was on a panel. Jason Robbins was on that panel from DraftKings with me with the, with the NBA guy. He talked about the ability uh, you know, to track all the data through there and how that is the best way to protect the integrity game. You know more about a customer who bets on his mobile phone than you do with the guy that walks up to the counter. And I think people are starting to realize that, and hopefully, um, gosh, I, I just think it would be foolish to uh, even try to, to control this in a brick-and-mortar uh, type environment. I never even really thought of it from that side of things, but you're 100% right. Like That makes a ton more sense in terms of regulation. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the DFS implications of this. Uh, you mm-hmm. said Jason was was on that panel, and I, I think it wasn't not that long ago he finally kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, if the laws in this state change that, you know, we potentially could, uh, you know, adjust ourselves over at DraftKings. Um, what, what do you think happens um, at the DFS sites in, in regards to sports betting? I think they partner with sports books. Um, I don't know if they'll install their own software and run their own sports book, but you've seen uh, Patty Power, the big uh, Irish sports book, you know, take a, a share of draft Um I think the other big sites, uh, daily fantasy sites, will will probably end up uh, in some sort of partnership where they have a sports book and you can play traditional sports betting there, and then they have a fantasy, uh, you know, site that you can play fantasy sports there. Um, I think the business model for traditional sports betting is a little more clear than daily fantasies is. Um, you know, people are still trying to figure out. Uh, how to turn a profit on fantasy. I think they're, they're headed in that direction and starting to figure it out, but it's been a while. And I think the, they see uh, sports betting as more of a clear cut. Hey, this is this business model 
it's clear cut. This works. This is how we do it. So it, it won't surprise me at all if uh, a DraftKings or a FanDuel ends up partnering, even maybe being acquired um, by a major sports book, maybe like a bet fair uh, gets into the game. Because I, I do think that we're going to see more of these newer companies uh, get a, a jump start on some of this stuff. You know, like I, I mentioned Betfair. They are a big sports exchange uh, in the UK. They moved into the US and or offer a sports a horse racing uh, exchange where you can bet on. I think they're going to be a big player eventually. Um, you mentioned Paddy Power. They're already coming on board. Um, you know, you, you got several newer companies that aren't just your, your Caesars or your MGMs uh, that are looking to get in, involved here. And I think that's you're going to see that play out, and I think Daily Fantasy will be right there in the mix of it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, we've, the FanDuel is already making major moves on the management front and uh, mm-hmm. you know, seems to be trimming down, you know, the fat. And usually you do those things when, you know, you're prepping to maybe fall into some sort of acquisition. And, you mm-hmm. know, they, they still, you know, are still running big tournaments week to week. Clearly DraftKings has passed sure. them by. But, you know, I think, like, you nailed it, though. What, is the, what are the two things, or what's the one thing that FanDuel and DraftKings have that would be incredibly valuable to somebody who wanted to start up an online sports betting business? It's millions of accounts. You know, they've acquired millions upon millions of people who have set up accounts already who are comfortable putting money on the Internet, who are comfortable... Um, you know, and 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 are are eager to to watch sports and 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 put money on an outcome. I mean, that has already been proven right there. I think those that factor alone carries so much value for those companies because we know customer acquisition costs these days. There, you know, that's that's the one thing that FanDuel and DraftKings really. You know, that's where their money has gone over the last five six years. If you had somebody already do most of your heavy lifting on that front. I mean, man, that's that's my sales pitch. Yeah, you, you nailed it. You nailed it. took the words out of my mouth when you say consumer acquisition. Um, they've already got it. You, you partner with them, and you don't have to acquire it anymore. You, they just transfer them over there. It'll be interesting to see how many um, daily fancy players uh, do decide to play sports, uh, sports betting. I've always believed that there is a crossover. Um, some people have said there isn't, but I've seen studies both ways. Um, so I, I do think there will be some crossover. I do not believe that daily fantasy by any means is going away. No. Uh, when I hear people talk about oh, sports betting will crush that, I, I don't see that. I think there is a passionate, large community that enjoys building rosters and the different strategy elements um, with daily fantasy. Will they jump all uh, come play traditional sports betting too they could they might uh, we'll just kind of have to see how that plays out yeah and i and i think i summed it up earlier when i said you know the design of daily fantasy games is just still really attractive to somebody who you know wants to spend a little bit of money and maybe win a lot on a given day and i still love mm-hmm. you know the one thing that i am so passionate about in the daily fantasy side of things is the peer-to-peer aspect where I still view, you know, people always scoff at skill game, laugh at skill game, but it is ultimately still me versus you if we're playing in a contest or we're playing in a uh, a 10-man contest, me versus the other nine guys. It's not me versus uh, a centralized sports book. Now, you know, that's something that I think there is still a lot of desire around. And, and that's where I think 
feel like even on like the sports betting front, like I feel like you know you talked about betting exchanges and stuff. If there's a way to set a greater peer-to-peer aspect within sports betting, I think that would be an incredibly fun and interesting kind of concept as well. Because I do think that you know people are being smarter about um, about things, especially with that they put their money on. If they feel like I'm smarter than the other guy opposite of me. You know they're more willing to play, I think, when the, as opposed to necessarily playing against you know the sharpest line in the world, where uh, only a handful of people are really winners in the long term, anyway. So I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's really fascinating to see, and and you know we've already seen some movement on the content front, and that's the last part I want to kind of talk to you about because you follow um, you know syndicates, you you know you're in with you know a lot of the different uh, people who are who are you know central figures in sports betting and you know we saw you know the churning group come up with the action network we've seen mm-hmm. vsin out there in las vegas it feels like there's a lot of posturing here on the content front and it's obviously a, a content company in the daily fantasy space uh there's a lot of demand for content when people are you know putting their money on making decisions so uh what do you think the future is of that in general you know what is the business model? What is it an affiliate model for these uh, new companies that are coming in, or do they plan when legalized sports betting to set up some sort of affiliate agreement with a regulated sports book? And uh, you know, any customer that they uh, push towards that sports book, they they get a cut. That 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 model has been gone over and over throughout gambling. You've seen it in in fantasy as well. Um, it's worked and it's not worked. So. Mm-hmm. I, I go back to what is what, what is the business model here because you know the media industry is is not certainly booming I wouldn't say um, you know newspapers have really been hit hard over the last ten years it's not easy to make money off a website with uh, you know content sharing or a advertising type affiliate agreement so I think everybody is still trying to figure it out and see uh, you know, well how do we make money off this now I say that as a, uh, you know, by far not the sharpest business acumen out there. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of people who are very interested uh, in this, and you see them gravitating towards the industry. So there's obviously some sort of attraction uh, to doing that. But again, I, I just want to see somebody to lay it out for me. Okay, sports betting is legalized. I have a website that covers sports betting and covers fantasy sports. How does this make me money? And, and I'm just not sure that I've been completely sold on how that happens yeah that's for the smart people to figure out and maybe not you and i but the smarter people <laughs> can go. figure that out but they're you know when you've got it's i think it's a numbers game you know i think they look at it and be like wow there's going to be how many more millions of people now who are completely engaged for a certain specific mm-hmm. reason they're going to want content um you know for that for that interest how do we monetize that content and that's why you know there's smart people out there trying to figure it out but there's definitely going to be a market for it there's no question it's just uh, mm-hmm. like you say what's the what's the model around it and we're already kind of seeing you know people make their moves in it and uh i think we're going to see that accelerated 
dramatically here in the next, uh, you know, eight to ten months. I mean, because I remember, too, you know, the early days of Daily Fantasy, it was like us, and that was it, you know. And then a few yeah. more started to pop up, and then all of a sudden there were like 50 overnight that were kind of doing what we were doing. So clearly, you know, that there's going to be an oversaturation, I think, of the market at some point in time. But But it's also, like, weird, too, because sports betting – is is different in the sense of like daily fantasy uh, when we play our lineups you can see our lineups in the tournaments we play you can see our success or failures as we play you know there's kind of always been this weird feeling around the tout world of sports betting because yep. where's the accountability of it like there's no tracking of 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 how players are doing there's there's you know people aren't showing everyone their bets every single week and even though it's not perfect in daily fantasy, um, it, it still can be there. I can see, you know, uh, on a given week on DraftKings, you know, how somebody did in the Millie Maker tournament or how they did in a high stakes tournament. But there is none of that in sports betting. And uh, I think that's a little bit of a difference uh, because you can look at the track record of guys in DFS and say, hey, you know, it's worth subscribing. You know, they're good. I, you know, their information's working for me. But in sports betting, you still like, how do we know really who's good and who's not in this world? And that's that's something I find interesting. It's very scary. I mean, I have covered the talent industry for a, quite a long time, and there's been just horror stories of these, you know, people, the unscrupulous boiler room type people who are just flipping coins. They will tell you, yeah. we just flip a coin and we give this side, this, one side, one side. The thing I would ask for anybody that is trying to sell picks, quote-unquote, is to provide analysis. If you can provide good analysis and I can read your analysis for your selection and least note that you put in the time and that you are knowledgeable and you have the, uh, the data behind your pick uh, to give it some sort of legitimacy, then I'm okay with it. I mean, I'm a writer. I, I want you to read my content. I'm selling you my content. If you're trying to sell content for picks, Provide the analysis behind it. Do not just throw out picks, and uh, that that bugs me um, really bad. It, it's very. <laughs> well, I got bad news for you. I got things. really bad news for you because if this becomes nationwide, oh. it's going to be everywhere out there, and you're gonna. It, it's it's you know that's one of my big fears on this whole thing is is what that world is going to turn into because. There's going to be people who just get constantly bombarded with, you know, you know, with their picks, emails and texts and everything else. I mean, I got a buddy who who does it, you know, behind closed doors and he continually, you know, tells me about his guy pushing picks on him, this and that. And it's if you think it's bad now, just wait when this thing gets scaled even larger. It's scary. Man, I let's just anybody that is listening, do not fall into that trap. You know, if you are going to pay for information and pay for picks, it needs to be appropriate to your bankroll. Because first of all, if I'm putting paying a hundred dollars for a pick and I'm only betting five hundred, well, I have to now suddenly have to win a lot higher percentage. You know, to yeah. beat the one ten big, you have to fifty two point three percent of your wins. You have to be, to connect to pick those correctly. So if I throw another $100 into that, gosh, that jumps up to 55%, 57%, 60%. And it's just, it's almost bordering on impossible to do that. So just please be careful, people, if you if you are going to buy picks. Well, it's going to be an interesting world, and it's going to change a lot. And, and how do you think, like, last thing, how do you think this whole 
um, sports betting like world, which I, I believe is going to take place, how that's going to transform the experience of like watching games themselves. I mean, I've you know I'm I'm somewhat sheltered. I've never been to the UK. I don't know how prevalent you know gambling is spoken about or or discussed or you know mentioned on screen with soccer matches and in and what whatnot out there, but. Is this something that's going to proliferate the actual broadcasts and you know the the delivering of the the games themselves here in the U.S.? I'm going to say I don't think it's going to be much more increased than it is now. Um, you already see the point spread scrolling across the bottom of uh, the ESPN ticker. Um, three, four years ago, we definitely didn't see that. Um, it's more frequently uh, recognized during broadcasts from broadcasters. Some are still kind of do it tongue-in-cheek, and others are, are more open about it. So I think you will probably see some announcers be more open about it. Will we have a running thing on the side of the screen that says, bet this game, bet this here, bet this here? I've heard that sometimes as those are available in the U.K. Uh, and so forth. I, I, I don't see us jumping immediately to that. Um, I, I don't think that's probably necessary, really. Um, so I, I, I kind of hope that it doesn't get to that point where um, there's, you know, you can bet from right off your TV screen and the people are encouraging you to bet and do this and this. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's the best approach uh, going forward. Australia is a good example. In the 2000s, they legalized sports betting nationally. Mm -hmm. They had this rash of advertising. The biggest bookmaker in the in in the Australia suddenly was an announcer uh, for the rugby uh, down there, you know, and it it was kind of weird. They had some issues with they had some spikes in addiction to gambling with Australia. So, you know, while I do think legalizing sports betting is a net win here, there are some negatives that will come out of it, and we need to be very cognizant of this, and that includes the advertising and how we approach it uh, during the day when kids are watching games and so forth. So. Let's just be smart, pragmatic about it, sensitive to it, uh, and see how it goes forward. Well, uh, David Purdom, you can read him over at ESPN, uh, covers the gambling beat over there, and uh, a must-follow over on Twitter whenever news breaks uh, regarding uh, the world of gambling. He has it. Thank you so much, David. Always appreciate your insight. Good chatting, and uh, I'm sure we'll catch up again soon. Dan, can, can, we, can we leave the audience with one thing that I know they're interested in? Why did we have to do this at 9 instead of 10 today? We had to do it at 9, admittedly, because I have to buy Taylor Swift tickets for my wife at 10. I know, okay. it's legitimately <laughs> like one of the more mm. sad things that you know my existence has become, is, is having to do things like this. But uh, yeah, you know, it's not... My audience doesn't understand. There's a bunch of guys out there who are like, what is what are they talking about? But then the wonderful thing is there are a handful like you and I, David, who can fully accept it and be like, you know what? Gotta do what you gotta do. Gotta do what you gotta yes, do. Yes, you do. <laughs> Thanks Amen. again, David. Good luck on the uh, phone with the ticket. Uh, awesome, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break.
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at you, savings coming at you. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.